Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. You know, people talk about networking and they think, oh, someone will introduce me to something and that's how I'll get like my next break into, you know, that'll be the next, you know, big thing that happens to connect me to something else. But really the value of a network is really, is being able to pick up the phone and say, I don't know how to do this piece of something I need to do. Have you figured this out? And I think that's the most important piece of a network is having those people that you can call on to say, I have no idea what to do here, or I have an idea. What do you think of it? This is Cadence McDonald's. She is the co-founder and managing director of Carbonate. Carbonate is a brand and communication creative service agency specializing in food, beverages, and hospitality. For the last 15 years, Carbonate has made an amazing free trend report for the hospitality industry. We dive into the top trends for this year and the near future. We also talk about the biggest challenges for the industry and how to solve some of these and also which opportunities that lies within these challenges. We talk plant-based and what it means for the customers in 2023, the power of using audio in hospitality and what has the metaverse to do with hospitality and how can we actually leverage that as hospitality leaders. Cadence also shares some of her learnings as a business leader when it comes to leading herself and her team. Before you tune in, please sign up for a weekly newsletter, Maverick Talk, via our website, hospitalitymavericks.com. In this newsletter, you find much more insights into what Maverick leaders know and do, and you will always catch the latest episodes. If you liked today's episode, it will mean a world to me if you could either rate or leave a review of the show on our website or Apple Podcast or Spotify. Enjoy today's episode. Today's guest has been part of a team done an incredible piece of work when I started looking through the 2023 trends report for, you know, annual hospitality trends and uh, and there's some really interesting stuff in there and I know we're going to dive into it later but we're going to talk about plant page we're going to talk about the metaverse we're probably also going to talk about other stuff but some really interesting new things that's actually suddenly have become part of hospitality and with that to do that properly we have a great guest today we have Candace for the Carbonate group here with us so thank you so much for for coming on the show thank you for having me glad to be here so for people that haven't heard about what you guys do and your story and why you're doing what you're doing, uh, could you just give them a bit like a, an overview of the story, the milestones and why why you are doing this for Incredible Report actually for the 15th time. It's not something you just done this year. You've been involved in this for 15 years. Yes, absolutely. So, so. My company is Carbonate, and we are a hospitality-focused marketing and brand communications and creative services agency. 
And so we've been producing this report in partnership with our partner agency, which is called AF and Co., um, which is celebrating its 16th year in business. But AF and Co. is uh, a San Francisco-based lifestyle and hospitality communications firm that is an award-winning agency. And uh, Carbonate, prior to launching as an independent company, was a division of that agency. And so we've been in partnership with with AF and Co. for quite some time. My business partner in Carbonate is the principal in that agency. And so, you know, for 15 years, we've been looking at the world around us, looking at our industry. It started with, we started creating this report as a way for our team to really be in tune to the, the things that are coming so we can work with our clients on that. Um, and then it became useful. So we started offering it via webinar and then media started interviewing us about it. And we realized that, you know, everybody's looking for ideas and inspiration and not just kind of like what's happening, but also how can I use this to drive revenue? How can I, you know, how can I keep my business fresh? You know? And so it's a very practical report and it's, um, and you know, we are, um, we're happy that it's useful to people and it's also quite fun to do, you know, traveling and looking and tasting and exploring and reading. I mean, you know, it's a rough job, but somebody has to do it. And so we've taken that on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's, that's really, you know, the impetus of the report. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been, it's been, been quite well received this year, especially, I think, you know, going into 2023, which I have to slow down to say, because it's really hard to believe that it's 2023. Uh, but, right, but the, you know, I think there's a renewed sense of energy and optimism, despite some extraordinarily difficult circumstances that everybody that are still very real for our industry. But there's a lot more creativity and optimism and excitement. And I think people are, you know, if, if we've learned nothing about the past three years, it's how resilient the industry really is. I totally agree. And we're going to come back to that. It also feels like we are now in that reinvention year, next year, where actually, you know, got things calmed down now. The people that still are in business now are in the process of reinventing themselves, if not everything in their business. But we just wanted to come back. It's really interesting. You said you started to do this report for yourself. And often some of the best things comes out of that. You know, the best, best books are written. You know, I can think about the first book that comes up is Meditation with Mar from Marcus Aurelius in, in the Roman Empire. He wrote Meditation for himself. You know, a lot of great authors write the books for themselves, not for their audience. And what, what, has, what have you seen in your team by doing that? I just wanted to ask that question because I think it's so interesting that you write for yourself or research for yourself. It is. And actually, we've been very fortunate because one of the original team members who started with, who's the, was, was the primary author, the author of the report for a bit of time, she has, is still with us. And so there's definitely, her name is Leith Steele. She's a very talented culinary researcher, I might call her, among other things. But, you know, I think what we've seen as, you know, as, and this is, you know, connected to both agencies, is that, you know, if you're going to work with super talented people in the culinary world, you have to know what's happening. And so there's, there's a large part of this report that is really talking to a wide array, wide variety of experts. And then the other piece of it is, is, you know, we're a marketing agency at heart, right? So our goal is to figure out how to get more butts and seats, more heads and beds, you know, whatever it is, right? More, more bottles of wine open, whatever it is. And so, you know, to do that, you have to understand what's interesting people, you know, what are those things that, you know, are, are making um, your guests, your consumers, um, you know, open their eyes and say, oh, that's interesting. And so that's, you know, so I think for us, you know, this report helps us be more effective as an agency because it kind of um, keeps us in tune to, you know, what's happening in the world. You know, and we're constantly looking at, you know, 
how are people making these decisions? What's what's getting attention? You know, and, and not that that means that everything that's getting attention is right for every concept, but there's something interesting about, you know, what's going on in the world and paying attention to it. What is like the, the the deep purpose of Carbonate Group? What is like why why are you here? Why do you exist? And there must be some kind of deeper thing, because if you got you know taken out from the the mother company into a separate group, there must be some a really good reason why you're here. Yeah. So you know our our mission is very simple. You know, it's to help our clients achieve their most ambitious goals, and you know, and bring high level of technical skill and creativity. And that's really the heart of it. You know, when you think about carbonate, when things are carbonated, they rise to the top, right? And so, you know, in everything that we do, we're a strat a brand strategy firm. So whether it's a social media program or whether it's a new brand identity that we're developing, it's in a new concept, it's an old concept we're refreshing, whatever it is, our goal is really to say, how do we help our client rise above their competition and really stand out and get the attention they deserve? So that's the first part of our mission. And then the second part is we have an incredibly, we can only do that if we have really, really talented people. And so the other part of our company's purpose and why we exist is to be a vehicle for really incredible uh, minds to, you know, work in, and solve really challenging business problems. So, um, you know, I'd say those two things go together. You know, an agency is only as good as the people that that make it up. doesn't matter what the reputation is if there's not people that aren't there to actually solve their clients' problems. So those two things go hand in hand for us. A great vision without great people doesn't really matter, as Tim Collins says. Uh, what is it that what is it that that, uh, that that make you guys unique in the work you're doing with clients? Because you mentioned hotels, I heard restaurants and so on. But what is it that makes you unique compared to to other agencies out there? I think there's a couple of things. I think you know. There's a lot of great agencies, a lot of great, you know, talented designers, lots of talented social media experts, a lot of talented publicists. Those, you know, I think where we offer a unique blend of services is that, first of all, we work really exclusively within the hospitality space. And so we really understand the guests, the mentality that, you know, we understand how to work with operators, you know, so I think that's the first piece and we're really very in tune to the industry. So that's the first piece I think that is important. I think we're boutique. We're not a large agency. So we really, uh, you know, we really get into it with our clients, you know, almost all of our business comes from referrals from past clients. And I'm proud of that because I think that, uh, you know, we, we strive to those agencies that, you know, and it's important to kind of manage your scope and you know, if you're running a business too. But I think for us, you know, we are really, we measure ourselves by how well our clients are doing. You know, it's up to us to make sure that we are really having an impact. And I think, you know, our team, People that work at our company decide to work at our company versus other places they could work because they like to be in it with our clients. You know, we 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 have a blend of services that we offer, and so we don't have to. It's not like we're a large agency and you're kind of like synced into one vertical. You know, if we are, you know, have a client and and there's something else that our agency does that we can do that's gonna, you know, shift their business better than what we originally thought. You know, if it's social media versus PR, or if it's, you know, we need to rebrand, you know, we have the capabilities to kind of shift things around and really think holistically. And so I think for a lot of, you know, growing businesses, mid-sized businesses, or even, you know, large companies with smaller marketing teams, you know, we become a really valuable partner because we really do view ourselves as partners. And about the typical background from the people in the team, have they been in hospitality, had similar jobs before the transition into you? How was how the normally the setup of the team? Yeah, most of our, you know, all of our accounts, almost all of our senior team members have, you know, at least 10 years, 10 to 15 years of experience. You know, we have people who have held 
director of marketing roles for restaurant groups that are now on the agency side. We have, you know, people who've worked in the kitchen who are, you know, on the culinary side of things before and operations side of things before deciding they wanted to be in marketing. We also have people who, you know, just, just know and love food and beverage and spend their time. That's their hobbies as well. You know, of course we, you know, like most agents, we have some more junior people that, you know, provide a great level of support, but every account is led by somebody who's sort of sat in the seat or could sit in the seat, you know, of the, of the client on the other side, you know, because we want to make sure that we're, you know, we bring, we don't just, we're not just, this is not, we're not an agency of doers. You know, sometimes you need someone just to do something and we're really at our best when we're part of strategic decision-making. So we have to have the team members with that experience to do that. And it's super interesting meeting the client where, where they are as well and having the understanding for, for that person you're doing the job for, the sitting in the chair and, and the opposite side. Yeah. What is a, what about, you know, you, you also, you, you, when you did, we already talked a bit about the, the report It's the 50th time you do it. And there's also some kind of connection here with the James Beard Foundation. And we, we had a little chat before we went live here on the, the interview because I just thought I wanted to get it right. But I think it's super interesting the way you also like, you know, you run a business, the numbers needs to work, but you also give back to the industry and you're very focusing on the impact you have besides, you know, serving your clients. I, absolutely. You know, I think one of the things that I love about the hospitality industry is that it attracts some of the most generous people. I mean, I think we all know, you know, Restaurants are always, you know, the first to participate in, you know, ch donating food or donating things for charitable causes. I mean, the way that the industry rallied um, to help feed people during the pan early days of the pandemic, you know, I think, I think that we just we have a very generous industry. And so, you know, for us, Carbonate is a, a women-owned and led business. And for us, you know, we like to find ways to support organizations that are, you know, doing things to support, you know, success of women in our industry. And so. This year, the actually for the second year in a row, the James Beard Foundation Women's Entrepreneurial Leadership Program is a beneficiary of our re, of our report. So we take the report on the road. So we will we will do presentations virtually or in person for, you know, we've done them for different industry trade groups. We've done them for companies or hospitality groups. You know, just to looking for something kind of interesting to uh, to spur their own creativity. And so when we do that, we ask for a donation of any size to our channel partner, which actually Carbonate will end AFCO, our partner agency will match. Um, so, you know, the Women's Entrepreneurial Leadership Program is basically, it's a 10-week program that the James Beard Foundation has created in conjunction with Cornell University. And they include sessions on leadership, negotiating, you know, business and financial models. Um, so basically the group of fellows that are, are part of the program, they just get this really in-depth business point of view, if you will. And I think for, you know, hospitality leaders are expected to wear so many hats. I mean, you know, even if you have three or four locations of something or five or 10, like you're still wearing a million different hats. I mean, as a business owner, I think there's, there's something that is slightly intimidating around that <laughs> to be all of the things you're supposed to be an expert in operations, legal, finance, HR, you know, what else you know, would you like to be marketing? So, you know, I think the more that we can do to help people wear those hats and that's, that's what this program does. Yeah. And then it's super interesting what you say there, because I think lots of people that the people I know and that doesn't have the experience hospitality sometimes totally underestimate where actually it takes it takes the same to as run there's a business like anything else like but with less resource and time because it's food humans and you know very high cost base now as well you're you're, you're dealing with so actually the ability to change that hat in a nanosecond and be present in that moment and they're probably also you know 
fathers and moms or parents or whatever they are and and yeah and they have other things in life they have to take care of but is it i'm still impressed as you said like even though the, the challenges that's met the industry how resilient it is and how the ability to reinvent and i think you've seen that going going gone really really you know to a new level over the last couple of years i'll say what have you learned then being part of that program and seeing you know these fellows go through have you observed anything with the people that goes through that program i think it's a great great program and also giving these you know more strategic skills it sounds like more strategic skills as well to make better business decisions yeah i think i think that's an important part of kind of what it is you know i, I think you know one of the things that's so and i, I feel this way as a, as a you know a uh, small business owner myself right i mean there's there's just uh, you have to be an expert in so many things and so it's really nice one of the really important things i think i think that's one of the outcomes of this program is that you know people talk about networking and they think oh someone will introduce me to something and that's how i'll get like my next break into you know that'll be the next you know big thing that happens to connect me to something else but really the value of a network is really is being able to pick up the phone and say i don't know how to do this piece of something i need to do have you figured this out and i think that's the most important piece of a network is having those people that you can call on to say i got no idea what to do here or i have an idea what do you think of it and i think that's the piece where um where we can do a better job as an industry of finding ways uh, to, you know, create those 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 places where we can have conversations about, you know, what these businesses need to be successful. It's not just about, you know, the, you know, what what is the most creative culinary piece, but also like, how are you doing payroll? You know, or did you, or have you ever had this HR program, or how are you recruiting these days? You know, I think that's really the value of having a network. Yeah, and it's quite interesting, that thing about actually being able to talk about the things you're not good at. I had somebody on the show that's going to go live, and he said, like, one of the biggest, you know, challenge he sees is the ability to ask without being embarrassed, actually. I don't know. And actually, lots, as you just said yourself, I'm also a small business owner. That's lots of things I don't know. So, <laughs> how could you know them all? <laughs> right? Yeah. And, 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 and like sometimes just like, it's okay. Just people love to help, you know, and that's what you have to remember. Like, people love to help. And I think lots of people, and especially when you run your own new business, you think it's almost like showing weakness. It's actually not. It's like showing that you actually you care and you want to do the change. Yeah. And, I agree. And I, and I always say that I say this to, you know, my kids as well, you know, or to even to young, you know, people just getting started in their careers. Nobody's going to turn you down. If you email somebody or write to someone and say, I really admire this in you, you're doing something that I, you know, I think is incredible. Would you take 30 minutes to talk to me about it? Or I think what you do sounds really cool. Do you have, you know, a half an hour to chat with me? You know, people are open to that. Nobody really, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's some people that say no to that, but for the most part, people like to you know, be supportive. And especially when it's done from the standpoint of I'm not asking you for anything about your time. What is, in the report, you mentioned that uh, there is the 15 game changers. And I thought that's really interesting. And it's like, you know, and I wanted to bring that in because now we're start talking about like, you know, how you become a game changer. One of the, the, the skills you have is to ask for help. That's one of the things. And I thought there's a perfect timing here to talk about the the 15 game changers in the last 15 years, because I thought that was quite interesting. Well, I have to tell you, when we, we were th trying to think about, you know, how do we mark this 15th anniversary? And when we looked back, we realized that the year that we launched this report, the year after the iPhone debuted. And when you think about what has happened in the past 15 years as a result 
of all of the change, the massive change in the way that we consume information, the way that we find things that we want to do for fun or for, you know, to eat or to, you know, all of that has changed because of the iPhone. Um, and I think that that really put a button on it for us that, you know, when you think about, okay, we started, we had the iPhone and then the global pandemic, and that was only 15 years. That was not that much time to completely transform the way that people um, consume information and therefore how they find and enjoy and share the, the hospitality experiences that they like. So, you know, we had the iPhone and then shortly thereafter was Airbnb. And I don't think anybody could have predicted, you know, what Airbnb would have done impact the hotel industry. And, you know, kind of looking back, especially the past couple of years, you know, we had the food truck revolution, right? Where suddenly the barrier to entry in, you know, in terms of, you know, also thanks to Instagram, right? And thanks to social media, you know, enabled these food trucks to become popular and to be this place where you could be, uh, you know, creative without having to have the capital to open a full restaurant yet. Um, you know, we talked about Instagram coming and Instagramable moments. I mean, who would have thought that we would be so concerned with how colorful something on the plate was or how it would look in the restaurant. I mean, that's, you know, restaurants, they're taking into this account in terms of they design. And, you know, when you think about Instagram only having debuted in 2010, you know, obviously we had DoorDash coming on the scene in 2013. And, you know, we, and that started the, the love, hate, probably mostly hate, but now maybe we're a little more accustomed to it. Relationship with the restaurants, relationship with food delivery. We started to see the integration of, you know, social media becoming not just this place to, to, uh, you know, shout out into the world what you're doing, but also to, you know, convert those diners to reservations or to pick up orders. You know, Facebook and Open Table first partnered in 2013, and that was really a place, you know, that started or was a start to that kind of thinking about social media. Uh, you know, Starbucks launched their mobile order and, and payment in 2015, and so you think about you know, how that has impacted. I mean, the other day I went into, this is a funny story. So I have a 13 year old son and I, I, I wanted, he wanted me to run him to this activity with his friends and we got there early. He said, mom, let's go into target. I need to get something. And I was like, oh, I ran out without my purse. I don't have my wallet. We can't do that. And he's like, but you have your phone. And I said, well, what am I going to do with that? And he said, well, we'll just use the tap and pay. And I thought, I said, well, what, if, what if it doesn't work? It'd be so embarrassing to get to the front of the line. I don't have a credit card. I don't have anything else with me. He said, why wouldn't it work? And, you know, there's this, this, you know, there's this, you know, and it worked, right? I mean, it was, it was fine, you know, but at the same time, you know, I don't particularly think of myself as a technology curmudgeon, but, you know, that, that mobile order and payment has, you know, transformed kind of, you know, how we even think about, you know, everything, right? As it were, the payment. So, you know, and then, then obviously you, you know, you have TikTok and then we, you know, with the impossible burger launching in restaurants. So again, you know, you think about sort of these, major things that have happened in a relatively short period of time. And, and then we had a global pandemic, right? And so that really just, you know, accelerated a lot of these things that we talked about, right? And, you know, disruption brings acceleration in, in some respects. And that's what happened. And then, you know, here we are kind of like, as you said, now we're looking at, you know, kind of all these, you know, financial concerns or economic concerns or unknowns, if you will. So it's been a, it's been a wild 15 years, right? But I love the way you actually came back to the iPhone, but I thought I totally got it because also the whole way of communicating and interacting with your guests has gone from it's us telling you what you need to the other way around where the guest is suddenly the center of all the experiences because of their mobile phone. And the pandemic really brought that to life. You know, if you are not 
digital adapted with your hospitality business, you were definitely doing it now because, well, there was no way you could really interact with your customers. Yeah, that's right. You had to, you know, the pandemic made it so that all brands had to, uh, you know, it used to be that, you know, you went online to find something and, you know, or, or you, you know, but now you had to go find your guests online. You had to meet your guests on social media because that's where they are. And I guess also what's really interesting when you look at this, you know, also that you said only 15 years and it feels like a long time, but like, you know, just let me think about like, wow, okay, I can still remember getting an iPhone in 2009, according with part of my job as an ops director. And what you could do at that time with that phone compared to now, you can actually run your operation from the phone. I think I could just about see some scheduling in some view kind of format. It could definitely not editing anything, but that was game changing. I on the go could see the schedule of 25 restaurants and cafes. I knew exactly what's going on because the schedule tells me everything and who has shown up and not shown up. Tells me we were understaffed or overstaffed very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. It's really sped up. I think I think this speed of decision making has been impacted. Obviously, I mean that's a very, you know, straightforward statement, but I think what that means in terms of uh, hospitality operations and also how guests process information, I think is is quite important to consider, you know, as a, as we go into 2023, just the speed of which we that we need to operate. Yeah, hang on to that and then, then let's just what do you think is the biggest challenge for the industry? I know there's maybe sub challenges in different areas, but overall, what is the biggest challenge? We can talk a bit on a global level, maybe. I think that one of the biggest uh, issues is just the viability of the business models that exist. You know, there the costs of things have. You know, you can't have a. Um, we just we can't survive on the margins that we had. It's unsustainable, right? And so. I think that you know there's been there's certain things that make it very difficult for an independent operator to run, and there's certain things that you know um, you know we just we need to we need to have a better business model and we need to sort of rethink how we structure things, and so I think you know and and that connects to a lot of issues right that connects to ownership of restaurants that connects to the front of house and back of house labor, but we I think the pandemic has has forced conversations in those areas and forced people to look at uh, how they're structuring their business. You know, we've worked with a number of clients that have said, you know, I know that this is some different, you know, globally versus in the U.S., but, you know, how do we, how do we create more equity between the front of house and back of house? How do we, how do we make the, and I think the key question is, is how do we ensure that the hospitality industry is sustainable in the long term for the people that choose to enter it? And that doesn't necessarily mean that we all need to be restaurant owners because the answer isn't more restaurant owners, right? But more, how do we create more growth opportunities even at the server level, right? How do, how do we create more growth opportunities so that there's, so that we attract people that really, you know, want to be hospitality professionals and that that is a viable career opportunity at all levels. You know, we talk a lot in the U.S. about, you know, how many restaurant owners started off as servers and it's a very very high number i don't have it off the top of my head but it's more than 50 percent. and you know there's not many industries that you can work your way from a server level to owning the business you know you'll get the training you need along the way and so i think uh, you know that's a really positive piece of it but i think we also need to consider you know creating um levels and creating learning opportunities for people at all levels that you know end result isn't just ownership but it's also 
having more responsibility and a viable professional life at every level. I think it's especially the last bit that's been really challenged with the pandemic is the viability of, you know, not only financially, but also mental health. And also when you get like a family, how can I actually be present and actually be in that family and not be at work 80 hours a week? Because that's probably not going to be good for, for the family life in the long run. So and let's come back to what you said before, the viability of the model, viability as I understand, I can hear you talks about it. It's not just financially, it's also like, can we actually get the best talent to work in that model and the way it's structured? That's right. I mean, we have to stop talking about the industry as having a labor problem. And we have to start talking about the opportunities that exist because they are vast. There are, you know, there are the opportunities are there. People love to dine out. That is the one thing that, you know, we're seeing is that people really love to dine out. They, you know, despite economic challenges, people are still going out, you know, they're still taking vacations and, you know, and in some respects, you know, they value it even more because it's become something you know, to look forward to, because we didn't have it for the past couple of years, you know, so I think there's something luxurious about walking into a restaurant and having this intimate experience, and having someone take care of you and provide this meal and it, people value it. So that means that there is a business opportunity there. Do you see anyone grabbing these opportunities really well, right now? Well, you say, well, that, that, that that's really progressive. That's they, they, they've seen the opportunity. They transformed from one paradigm to another paradigm in structure, the way to do things, the way to think, the experience. You know, I can't say that I can point to anyone and say, oh, they figured it out. Let's all do that. I think what I've seen is I've seen a lot more um, concern for trying to do it the right way, right? And trying to find those solutions. I think there's, you know, I, we, We've seen clients that have looked at really reconsidered how they do scheduling. We've looked at clients that are looking at guaranteeing a certain number of hours per week, you know, so that somebody knows they may not get those big nights where they're going to make tons of money, but they're always going to be able to pay their rent. And I think that's a piece of that at the server level and back of house level too. So, you know, I think there's, there's, there's pieces of things that seem to be working. I, it's a little too early to say like, oh yeah, they figured it out, but I, I hope to see that soon. <laughs> Yeah, I'll definitely, if like people haven't heard, I've talked to Death about the show about, you know, Singermans out in Ann Arbor in Michigan and nearby Detroit. If you haven't heard about it, you should go and check out what they do. They, as Ari says, there's a lot of things we haven't got right yet. But when I look from the outset, I can see that whole structure, the, the ownership model, where exactly it's not about just being the raising to the top exactly and to actually have a fulfilled job that can actually pay the rent. And all the opportunities of it, and they have 18, I think it's 18 different businesses now from e-commerce to training businesses, to restaurants, to delis, to farms and so on. And it's just an interesting way of thinking food business instead of that's just a cookie cutter kind of way of growing your business. And again, they have people that come from accounting, lawyers, you know, take on these jobs because they get fulfilled and they're viable for them. In a way, and they probably have a big passion for food as well. There's no doubt about that. That's right. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if your goal is to go out and make a ton of money, you probably aren't going to choose the hospitality industry. There's other things that have a quicker return on investment, right? But I think that, you know, if you have a passion for food and what that means to people, I mean, that's the thing. We could talk all day about the business opportunities, but the reality is, is that, you know, people enter the hospitality industry because they like to see other people have a great time. 
and they like to see other people happy. That's really at the core of what makes a great hospitality business. If you like to see someone else smile because of something that you've done, this is there's there's those opportunities exist daily in this industry. We just talk a bit about opportunities because you mentioned in the report, and I wanted to touch a bit on that as well. You mentioned plant based, and I think it's so interesting talking about this. You know, for years in the hospitality, vegetarian, plant based, vegan options, and and there's a big, you know, focusing on right now in the world that we need to reduce meat because meat is one of the primary driver in the food system to climate change and also health issues. So what have you learned as you looked into that as a, an agency? Because I guess you've been out. That's really interesting for your customer's point of view as well. That what, what do we put on the menu to make it exciting? That's not centered around meat. Yeah, you know, I think we started to see, we'll say vegetables moving to the center of the plate, you know, maybe, maybe even 10 years ago, to be honest. Um, you know, and I think, you know, it used to be that, you know, we would say, you got to make sure you have something on the menu for the vegetarians. And then, you know, everyone would say, oh, well, we'll just put together a, uh, you know, a sides plate, right? And it would be all the sides from the other entrees, all the vegetables, the steamed carrots and broccolis. And that's what the poor vegetarian would get at the table for their meatless meat meal. Those days are well gone. And that's good because you know what? I mean, I like to think of this as less about like, you have to please the vegan in the room and more about you know, what are the opportunities to, to use more vegetables? You know, and I think that a lot of the creativity that we've seen in the industry has what's been driving kind of innovation in these foods, right? You know, plant-based doesn't just mean impossible burger on your menu, right? I mean, plant-based, you know, is a different way of approaching how you structure your menu. And so I think that's what we've seen, you know, the shift to, I think, uh, you know, in some respects, there is a desire or uh, to have more meat substitutes that are less processed and a little bit more that feel less like they're made in a lab and that are a little bit more, you know, not necessarily like a, you know, manufactured in the same way. I mean, obviously, you know, anytime you, you're making food, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I think, you know, we've seen the kind of beyond meat, beyond beyond meat, I'd say, where we've seen that, uh, you know, people using, you know, bacon from creating bacon from mushroom roots or, roots or from red seaweed, or just looking at things, ways that they can create similar flavors within a more a more natural way, if you will. You know, our food of the year this year was maitake mushroom. And I think that's directly related. I mean, that is directly related to the popularity of you know, plant-based eating, right? You know, you look at something like a maitake mushroom and it's craggly and it's got, you can fry it and you can do all sorts of things with, you know, because it's got all these wonderful little nooks and crannies, you can put all kinds of different flavors on there. And so, you know, I think that's really the kind of plant-based that we're going to continue to see growing. We've also seen things in the U.S. like vegan delis, right? There's this place in L.A. that is a, you know, combines Mexican and deli influences and it's all plant-based or D.C. vegan, you know, is a full service Italian-American deli and catering company. But it's, you know, you think about Italian-American food and that's like salami and, like, you know, things that aren't vegan, but there's this approach to taking, you know, making these sort of things more convenient. So I think that kind of innovation really gets us to interesting foods that people want to eat, not because they've adopted a vegan diet for their life, but because, you know, that sounds good. I think I'll eat that today, um, you know, and that to me is sort of where I think the that part of our menu category, if you will, um, or, or menu mix, maybe is a better way to say that is, is headed. Love the way you said that a plant-based is actually the way you actually think your menu and it's not actually a byproduct, <laughs> your sides you put together. And I think that's the, the big shift I'm starting to see as well. Like lots of chefs now, they actually start with the veg 
vegetables as the center, the meal center, and build from there. And the meat then becomes an add-on, which was nothing new 10 years ago, but now it's actually become, you know, that's how you structure many, also because of costs. That's a different that's been that's been been forced down that route in a bit, you know. You also talk about audio, and that's really relevant because we're on a podcast now, <laughs> and it's all about audio. And I talk about do one thing well, we do audio well, or try to do it well. What is why is that so interesting when it comes to to hospitality, and why do you see this as one of the emerging trends that operators needs to be aware of? Yeah, so this is related specifically to social media. You know, I think we've talked a lot about, it used to be that you didn't really want sound on anything because everybody was looking at their phone and no one was playing sound. But now everyone's got these little white ear, ear pods in their ears. And so we're seeing sound and video um, increasing quite a bit, right? So people are listening to things, they're used to listening to things, they're putting the sound on on their social media. And TikTok has really, you know, was really the first to sort of use this algorithm of trending audio. So there's different sounds, there's different little mixes of things that really can help your content be seen in more ways. So, you know, social media in, in many respects, yes, it's about great content, about being creative, but it is a lot about gaming the algorithm or figuring out what the algorithm is going to do in that day so that your content shows up in front of more people. And so that's where the trending audio takes place. So that's, you know, that those kinds of, um, you know, components of, uh, of social media you know, really thinking about, you know, what's the, what's the music that goes with this? And, you know, those, those sorts of things are definitely an important part of social media. Have you also seen it from a brand expression? Because one of the things I was thinking, I was reading that is, does it actually become important how the brand sounds, the restaurant and the hotel sounds? Is that part of that, you know, consumer and I'm building up because some of us is more, you know, related to, we need to read things to learn and or to experience them well other needs to listen to them I'm, I'm, I'm very auditive so i can listen to a book and remember most of it but i read it i really had to make notes and really do an effort i think that sound you know as it relates to kind of the whole brand experience i think that's been important for for a while just because of what you said you know people process their environments in different ways so i think um you know it's uh, we always say you know when we're doing when we're developing a new restaurant concept with somebody we always say what's it sound like in the room what's on the playlist you know because sometimes operators forget that and leave that to the very end you know because you know it's sort of like the afterthought like oh we'll hire someone to give us some music later but i think it's it can be an important tool in the early part of the concept development because what you're really saying when you say what does it sound like is what's the vibe how's it feel in here and how the sound contribute to that so I, I think that's pretty important. And then you mentioned that we're jumping back to social media. I actually don't know if it's social media, but the metaverse. <laughs> Why is that important? I've seen restaurants talk about it like a lot. You know, some some restaurant marketing people talk about it. Why is that so important for restaurants to get involved in that? Because that's something with no human involvement, isn't it? Like this new space done by the former Facebook now called Meta. <laughs> yeah, so I will not uh, I will not pretend to be a, met, a metaverse expert. And I don't know that anybody really, is. well, there's probably some people that are, but it's not me. But what I will say is this, you know, I think you know, as a marketer, it's always important to think about these new technology elements or whatever it is uh, in a way that you're not limiting your viewpoint by your own imagination. And I'll, I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. My mom always tells this story that my grandfather had an opportunity very early on to invest in a this concept of cable television. And he came home and he told my mom about it. She's probably 10 or 11 or whatever. And, and she's, he said, what do you think? You know, do you think that, you know, you know, 
we should invest in this. And she was like, well, why would we pay for TV? Right. Because in her mind, you know, they had free TV. Why would. And she also describes that her vision was that you'd put a quarter in your TV and then watch the show that, you know, to have access to the show. And she could not understand because her her frame of reference was, you know, the TV, the three TV channels. She could never and she could never have imagined the world that my children live in today, which is like, oh, let's turn on YouTube shorts. That's not something that she could have ever imagined because we'd have the Internet. Right. So. I feel the same way about the metaverse. And I think that it would be very easy to step back and say, how could this ever impact my hospitality business? You don't eat there. So like, what does this have to do with my restaurant? I think it'd be very easy to say that. And you'd probably be justified in some respects. Like I'm not a proponent of saying like, yeah, go all in on the metaverse. We don't really know yet what this is. But I think when I think about the metaverse, what I think about is I think about my 10-year-old son who seamlessly goes from school to getting in my car when I pick him up to having his phone on where he's texting with his friends. He goes home. He FaceTimes with a friend while they do homework, right? So there's a, they're online and in the real world. Then he goes into and he plays uh, Valorant, plays a video game. So he's in that world with his same friends. And then I'll ring the doorbell and his friend will be at the door coming over for dinner. So they seamlessly go from being online in, offline, you know, it's all one world for them. And so when I think about the possibilities of what the metaverse could mean, that's where my mind goes. And I don't know what that looks like in 10 years, right? Because there's technology that either doesn't exist or that I don't understand to know what that experience could be. But what I do know as a marketer is that the next generation of people that is coming into this world seamlessly exists online and offline. Their worlds are the same. The people are the same. It's quite different than say, you know, a boomer generation that goes online to do something, right? Or even my generation that, you know, might check online, right? I might check on it. I might get the information there, but I don't live there. You know, I don't live on social media. Whereas this next generation, they are, they're online and offline at the same time. They don't, they don't experience a distinction. So when I think about for restaurants, you know, I don't know exactly what this means as it relates to the metaverse. But what I do know is that when you walk into a when I when a young person walks into a restaurant, they expect that experience to be the same as what they saw on Instagram or what they saw on a restaurant's website. If you're going to have a mobile order to pay, they have no patience to wait for the technology to load. So if you're going to have any kind of a part of your experience that relies on technology, it has to work for that generation because otherwise they're gone. They don't have they don't understand why it doesn't work. You know, I mean, those of us who waited for AOL to dial up. We have a little more grace for technology that doesn't work because we remember what it was like. You know, I mean, I can't do the sound, but we all know it. If you know it, you know it, right? Um, this next generation, they're already online. They live in the metaverse already, whether it's one owned by Facebook or whether it's just the, you know, the nature of the internet. So, you know, I don't know what that future looks like. I hope it doesn't look like that movie, Ready Player One. I, I watched that a couple of months ago because I was like, maybe I got it. Maybe this will help me learn about the metaverse. And that was terrifying. So hopefully it doesn't look like that. But, you know, that's my insight on the metaverse. <laughs> well, it's really interesting, like also because you always need in principle to think a decade ahead as you evolve your business. It doesn't mean you're doing it tomorrow, but you need to start having the strategic decision. What does this mean to us and how do we play along with it? Because it's here no matter what. And there is definitely people on it and uh, it's using it. And it's more about how can your brand be available properly when people are not in your restaurant and not in your hotel. And I think that's the that's the question that I think many, many progressive 
restaurants are thinking about now we had the meal kits and stuff like that under the pandemic and so on but i think that that's another thing i think how can we actually be you know available there uh and actually you know because people they buy more than food they buy a connection like we talked about singermans before that's like you know there's people people travel the world all around the world just to come and see their deli yeah and the and the students at the university of michigan they, they've owned a place in those students hearts forever they're part of their memories right so i think um that's a really big piece of it and, and i think that a lot of these things sort themselves out over time you know I've been I listened to a really interesting podcast with Ro Khanna, who's a, a congressman in Silicon Valley, and he was being interviewed, sort of things that were happening with Twitter and, you know, sort of some of the concerns about kind of what does it mean to live in this world where things like the metaverse and social media exist the way that they do. And one of the things he brought up, and I thought found this very comforting, he brought up that um, when the printing press was first developed, it took a long time for people to trust it because there was this fear that like that that was going to create a very easy mechanism for the spread of misinformation because suddenly you could print things very quickly it was not as traceable as someone's handwriting or someone handing out you know whatever and it took a long time for the structures around the world to adapt to this concept of the speed that that the printing press allowed information to have and i think the same is true as it relates to the metaverse and as it relates to you know things like social media you know we have to adapt to this new tool that is, you know, in the world, but that, that doesn't mean that we need to go back, right? We don't need to go back to a time when there wasn't a printing press to have, you know, structures in our society that help us, you know, use those things well. And I think the same is the true of the metaverse. You know, I think there's this, this really interesting opportunity to connect with people, you know, and to connect your business to people all over the world. And that's a really fascinating opportunity. I think about even for, you know, sometimes independent restaurants say, well, how, why should I bother with that? I think, well, you know, if you're in a place where there's tourism, right? Like, and people are going to, tourism is going to be using the metaverse to help introduce people to what exists in a city. Maybe your restaurant should be there too, so that they can get excited about it and then visit you in real life when they come to town. So I think there's opportunity in all of it, uh, but it's, uh, you know, like any new technology. I mean, I remember when Instagram came out and chefs were like, what do you mean? I got to take pictures of my food. You know, <laughs> no one wanted to do that. And now look at them, the chefs are all over it. So I think it's a matter of time. What have you been your your learnings like a human business leader over the last couple of years? Because there's so much gone on, even if you're not in the front line of hospitality, but I can imagine also you have been going through some massive transitions. Oh yeah, I mean we started we launched Carbonate as an independent company in January of 2020, so it was a super interesting time to launch a hospitality focused marketing agency. Um, but you know we doubled in size, and I think that's you know over that course of time, and I think that's because we really you know. We buckled in and we said we want to be the best agency that anyone's ever worked with and that's you know and so we were able to use that to really like i said get into it with our clients you know we just we worked side by side and worked with people however they could we could at the time and i think the one thing i've learned over the past couple of years is uh how you do something is how you do everything i think that's true uh, you know when you hire someone in hospitality and you see that person walk past a piece of trash on the floor that's how they're going to be in your restaurant when they work there you know, and the same is true with marketing agencies, clients, you know, I think there is a certain level of I care how things get done and I care about something being really, really excellent that uh, as a business owner, I can't teach that. I can only remind people that that's how we operate and I can create the structures and the tools for them to be excellent. I think is a really important piece of that. You know, we need to make it so that people can do their very, very best work, but I can't make anybody want to be really, really good. 
you know, just like you can't make people care about the details of a, of a really high quality hospitality experience. So, you know, and that's, you know, I think um, that's been something for me that as a business leader that I've found really exciting in some respects, because I think actually more people than it might be spoken of really do want to do a really good job. And so then it comes down to this, well, how do I help people do that? You know, what are the, what are the tools that they need? What's the training that they need? You know, what's holding them back? And that to me is really exciting. Uh, you know, and it's one of the things I love about, you know, running an agency is, is I love working with our clients, but I also love working with our team and helping them find ways to, you know, do the hard stuff, if you will. Yeah, and I think it's so interesting you talk about, you know, excellence and standards, which is like, as you say, you you can't put that into people. Either they, you know, seeking that mastery of that specific area or not. And you can see the difference if somebody tries to become the best or, as you said, they walk past the trash, you know, you, you see that. And it's very interesting. And I had this conversation with a friend of mine that runs a business the other day. I said to him, well, like, there's some things in your control and others are not and how people decide how they show up is not in your control but of course you can still help them and you can still if they they hunger to come out of it you can see very different signs than that i don't care because if you care you will still be you know you will be hanging in as best as you can and you will really be trying and that's some of the best thing and bring out it's really interesting you know that as a business owner exactly your job to actually find those seats of i really can i really want to progress that's really 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 interesting learning what about um yourself how do you as it's been you know launched in 2020 as independent agency you are one of the partners there how do you show up every day with the right energy and to make this positive impact as necessary to be in business and do it different for your clients yeah you know i have five kids as well and I think I've learned I've learned just as much about running a business from being their mom as I have from actually running a business. Um, you know, one of the things that I've learned is that um, you know my team, just in a, in a similar way to my my kids, they pick up on the energy that I bring to the table. So um, you know, if if they sense that I'm you know super concerned about something or I'm not being fully transparent about something that I'm concerned about, you know, there's there's they want to be engaged and they want to be part of that. Right. And so, you know, one of the things I learned, you know, with my kids, for example, in, you know, in 2020, in an age appropriate way, because I was a five to 13 year old, right. Like the age range, you know, being honest about what was going on in the world, you know, here's what's happening. People are getting sick. Here's what it is. And explaining that in different ways to my 13 year old than I did to my five year old. And I think the same is true, you know, in our business, you know, we, we have to be transparent as leaders. That doesn't mean we have to give everybody all the information because not everybody needs all the information because they can't act on it. Right. So your most junior people don't need to know the financials of your company. They need to know that you're being honest and transparent with where things are. But, you know, people need the appropriate level of problem solving that they can take on for their level. But being, you know, being transparent about your goals and your objectives, you know, I think is important, you know. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do this to get through this, you know. And that was one of the biggest things that um, I learned that you know that level of transparency and you know also being clear when I didn't know the answer exactly, but that I thought we'd figure it out was important. You know, I I, I think that um, people people value that and they value that that sincerity at all levels. And you know, the flip side is you have to do what you say you're going to do. It sounds nice to get up and say you're going to do all these good things, but you, you, have, you have to, you actually have to do them. So don't say it if you can't do it, but especially, especially around kids, they will remember like elephants. Yeah. And, and employees are the same way, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's okay, They've also right? been kids once. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think it's, 
it's about, I mean, I think the best parenting advice I have is treating your children with respect. And I think that's the same advice I have as a business owner is really respecting the people who show up every day. And that that's really, uh, you know, I found that more transparent and honest that I've been, those are the, you know, those are the people that really get in it with you. I mean, the people that sit in, you know, that dig in, I mean, that was the, you know, 20, 20, 21, 22, they were hard years. I mean, 22 is less hard than 2020, but you know, the people that stood by and really, you know, were in it with you, those are the most valuable people in the world. Yeah, that's a super interesting way of looking at how you can make more impact is actually being that more transparent, just lean into it, actually, and be aware of your energy, like, uh, because we forget that sometimes we're in our own world, and we forget the energy we take from one situation to another, because we're doing these, many of these small transitions, especially in our very, you know, online world now, as you just explained your kids, how they live like, that's like they're shifting from one environment to the other all the time, these mini transitions. Yeah, I think that's probably, I think when I made the transition throughout different stages in my career, I think, you know, more senior I've gotten in my role is going from one thing to the next and not carrying with me whatever baggage was from the last thing into this next piece. And I think that's, uh, that's really important. I, I think of being a leader as a little bit of a plate spinner, you know, and I think, you know, there's, you sort of have to, you have to think about all the areas of your business that need to be, you know, kept in motion. And then I think as an agency owner, you know, we think about our clients in that way too. And I think some leaders get very zeroed in on one specific thing and they forget that part of their job is also to make sure that other people are taking care of the other stuff that you're not focused on. So, you know, while I may be focused on this one particular client or this one operations issue, I still, an important part of my day is making sure that my other directors and their teams are focused on the things I'm not focused on. I think some leaders make such a, you know, spin around what they're working on that then suddenly they're surprised when other people haven't been working on the other stuff that they needed. Yeah, well, there's disalignment yeah. between the different areas and then it goes really, 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 really bad. Uh, what What is the one question you wish I've asked you and what would uh, the question be and what would you answer? <laughs> you know, I think one interesting, one interesting question I think is, is related to, you know, why, why? enter this industry you know what is the what is the what is the passion around this industry and and I think for me uh, you know I've, I grew up with food being in the center and, and of my world I grew up in a you know Italian American household so we ate all the time <laughs> and so all of my memories are with food and then travel you know has been for me a way to really gain empathy into the rest of the world and so you know that's what drew me to the industry and then as a as a business leader, you know, I, I went back to graduate school, you know, some years back, and I thought that I would go into more like consumer packaged goods, marketing or something a little bit more traditional brand strategy. And I realized that really restaurants and hotels, and the experiences that go along with them are some of the most comprehensive brand experiences that you have. And when you think about how do you, you know, really bring something to life, hospitality experiences have so many exciting ways that you can do that. And you can create those sort of immersive experiences. And uh, for me, that's about storytelling. You know, I grew up before, before my restaurant marketing and hospitality marketing career, I was in the performing arts. And so, you know, for me, there's just this huge amount of storytelling that connects people to things. And uh, I think that the best hospitality experiences are about storytelling. Love that. Love that. Yeah, I should have asked you that question. <laughs> uh, if you could ask a question to our next guest, not knowing who it is and what their background is, but what would that question be then? 
I would I would ask, you know, what makes you show up every day into this industry? Because I think to me, that's what's so interesting about uh, about our industry. It's really hard. It's physically hard for those, you know, on the, you know, on the ground, right? You know, being in the kitchen is, you know, no joke. It's physically difficult, you know, and I think I'd like to know what makes them show up every day. You know, this is a hard, hard place to work, you know, hard industry, no matter what level you're in. And so I'm always interested in what makes people choose this over all the other things a person can do. That's a very great question. We'll ask our next guest about that. Where can people find out more about Carbonate Group, connect with you if they want to know more or dive further into what we had talked about? Yeah, well, please. Our website is carbonategroup.com. And we always, you know, you can download the full trend report there. And always love to hear from you hear from people with their thoughts on, you know, might not be included in the report that you have some ideas on or what you liked or what you didn't like too is fine. And uh, we'd certainly uh, love to hear from you. You can also find us on social media at Carbonate Group as well. Great. Candice, thank you so much for, for coming on the show, spending your time, sharing your valuable insights about the industry, but also your own reflection about being a leader and also how you see the industry potentially can evolve over the next couple of years, especially the insights around the metaverse, I thought was very interesting. I have a different view on that now than I had before I went to you. So thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you for having me. A pleasure. I really appreciate that you're listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate or give a review or subscribe to one of our channels, which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading the right books is the key to become a better leader. So I've helped you with a curated list of some of the best books to improve yourself, others, and the organization. Find them on hospitalitymavericks.com. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their socials at bitsimply or bitsimply hq you can also email them directly at podcast at bitsimply.com thank you to fina charlson who is the show producer from the podcast collective if you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts reach out to me via linkedin or via my email michael at hospitalitymavericks.com i'm michael tinkser and you've been listening to the hospitality maverick podcast show Be Maverick.